0: Well, we are in the middle of an interruption of an interruption. (laughs) You may remember from two Sundays ago that we called this an interruption of an interruption because Jesus, after he disembarked from the boat, was interrupted by Jairus. And taking up the emergency and the urgent need of Jairus, whose daughter was dying, on his way with Jairus, Jesus is interrupted yet again. Interrupted by a woman. So the synagogue ruler named Jairus who had interrupted Jesus to elicit his help. Help with his 12-year-old daughter. Came and during that time an unnamed woman stealthily touched Jesus' clothes in hope of healing. Little did she know that her touching Jesus would interrupt him, for she was hoping he wouldn't notice her at all. But he did notice her. He noticed that someone had touched him, and that healing power had proceeded from him. And so Jesus stopped to give loving attention to this woman which meant that Jairus had to delay even though his daughter's condition was dire. And he had had already urgently pleaded with Jesus to come and save her life. One commentator surmises, and I quote, one can only guess what he must be thinking about this delay, writing about Jairus. One usually finds it difficult to rejoice with those who receive good news when one is weary to death over one's own bad news. End quote. But as soon as Jesus sends the woman away in peace, her good news is eclipsed by the worst news for Jairus. Verse 35 says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Oh, no. The unthinkable has happened. She died. This 12-year-old girl died while Jesus and her father were in transit trying to get to her bedside. So while Jesus was restoring wellness to one person, another person has lost her life to sickness. It reminds us of the prevalence of disease and death in This world, the prevalence of disease and death in this world. But the good news is that Jesus, the Messiah, has power to overcome disease and even death. Jairus believed that Jesus could help his little girl. That's why he came to Jesus in the first place. But what does Jairus believe now? that she has died is it too late for anything to be done that's what the messengers say to Jairus your daughter is dead why bother the teacher anymore what happens when Jesus arrives late the girl died before he arrived Oftentimes, you know, when we arrive late, it's too late to do what we came to do. I never will forget I arrived late one time in a meeting. I've arrived late many times in my life, (laughs) confession. (laughs) I remember arriving late to a meeting once wherein I was on the program Got stuck in traffic, did not know to anticipate the traffic situation. Got stuck in traffic, arrived late, and to this day, 20 years later, I still never got, I still haven't gotten to do what they asked me to do. (laughs) It never happened because I got there late. So oftentimes when we arrive late, it's it's too late to do anything. But this is not the case with Jesus. Remember the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11? Jesus was four days late in that case. But late is never too late with God. In fact, late is not late with God. <laughs> we can be late. The Lord has never been late. Even if by our standards of time we consider it to be late or consider the Lord to be late, whenever the Lord shows up, that's the right time. Peter says over in 2nd Peter that we should not make the mistake of counting slackness or slowness or lateness as humans typically tend to do because the Lord is not slow in his coming even though he may delay he is never late it is a universally recognized fact that when people die there's nothing more that can be done except to bury them, death is viewed as the final arbiter. All human options end with death. Humans have no ability to reverse the curse of death. When someone dies, that's it. As a matter of fact, all we have been given the ability to do is perhaps delay death, you know, with health and medical techniques, but even that is by God's common grace, you know. But there is no way for us to ultimately deny death, even if we're able to revive someone medically and they return and are restored, eventually they will die. So all we can do at our very best efforts is maybe hold it off a while by God's grace but the reality is is that when someone dies for us that's it humanly speaking we all can feel a sense of hopelessness when death comes because we recognize its finality but this is not so when it comes to God God is not stopped by death God's power is not limited by death for God is more powerful than death I'll go further than that he's more powerful than death because he created it God he created death Death owes its existence to him. God created both life and death. Death holds no power over God, nor does it hold power over Jesus, the Son of God. But for mere humans, death comes as a final reaper. This is why the messengers urged Jairus to no longer disturb Jesus because Jairus' daughter has died. You know, parenthetically I'm reminded of another episode of the death of a child in the Bible. You remember when King David sinned with the wife of Uriah and she bore David a son, but the child became sick and died. While the child was still alive, David fasted and prayed for the child to get well and live But when the child died, David stopped fasting and started eating food again. His servants asked him why he had started eating again, and he replied that when the child died, there was nothing more that could be done except to get up and carry on with his life and try to comfort the child's mother. But while King David was powerless after his child died, Jesus was still powerful even after Jairus child died <clears throat> you see now comes the real test for Jairus verse 36 overhearing what they say Jesus told him don't be afraid just believe you see now the the, the real test is for Jairus whatever faith Jairus brought to Jesus is now being tested to the core literally Jesus commands Jairus fear not only believe there are two parts to what Jesus says here fear not Only believe. There's the negative command where he is instructed, Jairus is instructed not to respond with fear over what he has heard. Even though Jairus' worst fears are being realized, Jesus commands him to fear not. Many times in the Bible, God's people people are commanded to fear not. Do you remember any examples? Well, for example, the Lord commanded Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 with these words, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see that? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, the Lord says to Joshua. And to us when the Israelites were fearful because they were trapped by the Egyptians pursuing them Exodus chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 says this Moses answered the people do not be afraid stand still and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring for you today the Egyptians you see today you will never see again Their enemies are pursuing them, and they are trapped between the sea, the mountains, and the pursuing onslaught of the enemy, the Egyptians. And yet God, through Moses, commands the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13, The Lord says there, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Now it's easy to read over these verses and to understand them in a superficial way and to receive encouragement from reading them. But sometimes we can read a little too fast. And in so doing, we can miss truth, sometimes more truth than we gain. Let me explain a little bit with Isaiah 41:13. The Lord says there, "For I am the Lord, your God who takes hold of your right hand. God holds my hand." Think about that, but not, don't just stop there. And says to you, do not fear. It's a command, not a suggestion. I will help you. Will you know something that occurs to me when I think about this as I read it? When the Lord says, I will help you, he's saying a whole lot more than just four words. If God helps you, Nothing and no one can do anything about it. The Lord can open doors no man can shut. God can shut doors no man can open. God can make a way, a pathway, even through the sea for his people. And no one, not even the greatest superpower of antiquity, could do anything about it. The Egyptians. As God led them by the hand through the sea. You may not feel like it sometimes. You may not realize it sometimes. But if you are in the Lord, He is holding your hand even now and says to you, Fear not, I will help you. In other words, you are not alone with the Lord never are you alone with the Lord even if every other human being is nowhere to be found in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 it says so we say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid what can man do to me What can mere mortals do to me? The faith of Jairus is being tested. Jairus must keep trusting the Lord Jesus even though the worst has happened. Like the hemorrhaging woman, Jairus must trust Jesus Despite the fact that things have now gone beyond the point of no return. Remember, in her case, nothing else could be done about her condition. And she'd spent all of her money and had become destitute anyway, so there was nothing else she could do. And here in the case of Jairus, his precious little girl has passed away. I cannot imagine the deep sense of anguish, not only happening in the soul of this man when he hears the worst news possible, but the child's mother is at home. And all we can imagine that she knows is that her husband, Jairus, Heard about Jesus and has gone out to find Jesus and to get Jesus to come back to help them because there was nothing else that could be done. The child dies while mom is there at home and dad is trying to get Jesus to the house. Can you imagine the agony and anguish of her mother and the other members of the family? They're in the house gathered around this precious 12-year-old girl. In the face of hopelessness, Jesus does not say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's what we would say. (laughs) That's what we would say. Probably the first words that would come out of my mouth in a situation like Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You see, for me and for you, it's a resignation, essentially. I don't know what else I could do. I, I, I could have prayed for her if I had been able to get beside her bed. But now that she's gone, all I can do is express empathy and sympathy of the deepest kind. Because otherwise I'm powerless to do anything now that someone has died. But not Jesus. In the face of hopelessness, Jesus positively commands Jairus to only believe. Keep believing. Have faith, not fear. This shows us that no matter what happens, Jesus can be trusted Above all else. No matter what happens. Jesus did not give Jairus a complicated command. It was simple. Only believe. We are commanded the same. To only believe. Fear not. Only believe. When all seems lost and hopeless, only believe. Even when nothing else can be done, only believe. Even when the situation is beyond our control, only believe. Why? Because Jesus can be trusted after all else fails even after life itself fails. The story continues with verses 37 to 39. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. See what I meant? You know, there's tremendous anguish now that this precious young girl has died. Everybody is all tore up, and understandably so, rightly so, on a human level. There's this huge commotion, and everybody is crying and wailing because that's all they know to do. Verse 39 says, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Leaving the scene of the healing of the woman, Jesus proceeds to Jairus' home, but he allowed only a small contingent of his disciples to accompany him with Jairus. We are not told why Jesus did not allow everyone to go, but we know he had a purpose in doing so and in doing it the way he did it. What was about to happen would only be witnessed by those who would only believe. Hmm. You see, the Lord invites into his inner circle Those who will only believe and not doubt. Peter, James, John are the only three disciples that he allows to accompany him to the home and into this situation. Hmm. By the way, Speaking of those who will only believe and not doubt, where does your attitude stand when it comes to faith in Jesus? Are you willing to only believe? Willing to only believe Jesus? Are you willing to trust Jesus despite everything to the contrary? Jairus' little girl has died, and everyone is mourning. Now, it was customary whenever someone died to have professional mourners accompany the family. They performed rituals of mourning by weeping and wailing, along with the grieving family and friends. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, the commotion of loud weeping and wailing frustrates him. He declares, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. (laughs) This is one of the most profound declarations in the Bible. There is a big difference between being dead and being asleep, don't you think? (laughs) And Jesus knows the difference. So why did he say that the dead child was asleep? Hmm. Well, because while death may be permanent for them, death is temporary for the Lord. Remember what we've already said. He is powerful beyond death he is able to reverse death and call it sleep. But only God could reverse death. That's the point, actually. Jesus is God. The Son. Jesus is God. The Son. Yes, only God can reverse death. The problem with these people is their response to the Son of God. Verse 40 says, but they laughed at him. Can you imagine that? I could imagine the scene. But see, like you, we would be looking back on this scene, knowing all that we know, and recognizing, well, how contemptuous it is for them to laugh at Jesus. They have no idea what's about to happen. Look at the contempt and scorn they show the Lord in response to what he said. They don't believe anything Jesus just said. So they laugh at him. You know, I'm reminded of the story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis when the three visitors divine visitors came to visit them, visit Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 and said to Abraham this time next year Sarah will have a child, Sarah overheard them saying it to Abraham and she laughed remember the story she laughed and the Lord heard her laughing Abraham didn't hear her laughing. The Lord heard her laughing. And the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? And then Sarah comes out, no, I didn't laugh. the Lord said, yes, you did, I heard you. <laughs> How are you going to tell the Lord something didn't happen? <laughs> she, what was she thinking she was doing? <laughs> How did she think she was going to get away with this? <laughs> I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. And that was the end of the argument. Hmm. their laughter is their shame because they are spiritually blind and cannot see who Jesus is they respond the same way all faithless people respond to God with unbelief as a result of this Cornful unbelief. Guess what Jesus did? He kicked them out. He expelled them. He expels them. Verse 40 goes on to say. After he put them all out. <laughs> Can you imagine this? I mean. We're talking here about. Friends. Family. And people who have been. Paid to come and help this family mourn, Jesus puts all of them out. Because of their scornful unbelief and mockery, the scripture says after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was. Hmm. Now pay attention to this. You see, those who trust the Lord will see great things. But those who do not trust the Lord will be put out of his presence. Only those who keep the faith will witness the power of God. There are only five adults in this room with Jesus. When he goes in to see this little girl who had died. Everyone else is out. After entering the room where the girl lay, Jesus Jesus does the unthinkable. According to verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, according to Old Testament law, if you touched a dead person, you were considered uh, ceremonially unclean for a period of time, meaning you would be unfit to enter the temple of the Lord uh, for worship. By the way, this was also uh, the case with Jesus being touched by the hemorrhaging woman. But Jesus upends all the old regulations of the Old Testament law, and with compassion, Touches the dead girl and tells her to awake from the sleep of death. Only God could do anything like this. And Jesus is God, the son. At the word of Jesus command, verse 42 says, Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. If I had been there, I would be completely astonished too. What about you? This is absolutely incredible. Christ reverses the curse of sickness and death and raises this little girl back to life. She starts walking around the room to prove she was alive again. Wow. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is God the Son. Now I don't know about you. But we must never lose the wow factor. When it comes to what Jesus does. They were all astonished. And what they were allowed to witness. The resurrection of a 12-year-old child before their very eyes. Wow. (laughs) Finally, uh, the scripture says in verse 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Now he didn't put everybody else out. (laughs) Put them out. Because their attitudes were not worthy of his great work in this case. They showed themselves unworthy to be witnesses. Because if they didn't believe Jesus, then what were they going to say when they saw this girl raised? many of them still weren't going to believe. they make up some kind of excuse or perhaps try to give some sort of medical explanation or find some way of explaining away the miraculous, the exercise of the miraculous power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the second person of the Godhead. So their attitudes, the attitude of their hearts were not worthy to witness such a wonderful work of God. Watch the attitude of your heart. If you want to see the glory of God, check your attitude and check your faith. As the scripture says elsewhere, examine yourselves to see that you are in the faith. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> As we have seen in earlier episodes, Jesus commands the witnesses to silence, because it was not yet time for these things to be revealed. He revealed this to only a few. Parenthetically, after Jesus went to the cross, it would would then be time for the witnesses to tell these stories of the great things the Lord did and tell these stories to everyone the world over. And they did. And we still do to this day. Jesus also commanded her parents to give her something to eat. Practical Command. This would further prove to them that ghosts or that their daughter was actually raised from the dead in bodily form and that she was not a ghost, for ghosts cannot eat physical food. This little girl's resurrection from the dead was a prelude to Jesus coming resurrection from the dead. As Jesus raised her, God the Father would raise him from the dead. Here in this episode, Jesus foreshadows what is to come, not only for himself, brothers and sisters, but for all who believe on him. Sickness and disease and death will not have the final say for believers. When we die, we will not be done. For just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, so too shall we be raised to eternal life in him. Our death is not the end, but the beginning of eternal life. When we die, we too are asleep not dead, as Jesus said of this little girl. The man and the woman in this episode appear to have nothing in common when we think about this in conclusion, and take a step back to look at the whole story of this episode, verses 21 to 43. The man, Jairus, and the woman appear to have nothing in common, and one wonders why these two stories are woven together the way they are. The man Jairus is named. The woman is anonymous. Nothing in common. He is wealthy, but she... uh, He is wealthy and accepted. She is destitute and rejected. But they have one thing. There's one thing they both have in common. True faith in the face of hopelessness. They trust Jesus against everything else to the contrary. And when we compare the woman and the girl in this story, both the little girl and the woman are anonymous. And beyond hope in the face of incurable disease and certain death, But Jesus reversed the woman's incurable disease and transformed the girl's death into sleep and raised her from the dead. The moral of this series of stories is simply this. Jesus is the Son of God and we see it in what he says and what he does. He is triumphant over all the ills of this world. He caused danger and destruction to retreat back in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. He caused demons to run away in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. And he reversed the curse of disease and death here in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. If a demon-possessed man and a sick woman, and a dead girl could trust Jesus, then so can you and I trust him in all things. As Jesus said to Jairus, he says to you and me, fear not, only believe. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Father, we come into your holy and divine presence to thank you for this word of encouragement to us today. Your word which encourages us and commands us to fear not, only believe. Oh God, we trust you with all of our hearts. We do not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge you and know that you will guide us and direct our paths. Lord Jesus, we trust you when all else fails, when everyone else fails. For we know that you are able and you are worthy to be trusted in all things, in every circumstance, even beyond the points of no return. Oh Lord, we thank you and we praise you today that you can be trusted above all and that you are faithful above all and that you are powerful above all. And, O God, today we pray and we call upon you to save those who are lost. Oh God, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the word that has been proclaimed today, that you will bring divine conviction to bear upon the soul of the sinner And may he or she recognize and realize their lostness before you and their utter and complete need for you, need for Jesus, the Savior who died on the cross for their sins, for our sins and for the sins of the world. Oh God, we pray. We pray for the saints, those of us who are saved. Lord, may our faith be increased and strengthened by your word today and by the encouragement that comes From your word today, may we be encouraged and inspired to trust you despite all else. Oh God, we thank you and we praise you today for the testimony of this poor woman who was sick. For the testimony of this poor man and his precious child who died, but whom Jesus raised again. Oh God, we thank you for the promise of the power of the resurrection beyond sickness and death for you, your resurrection from the dead ensures our resurrection from the dead and oh God we thank you that even though we experience sickness in this world and even death death has already been swallowed up in victory by the cross of Christ and his victorious resurrection on the third day Oh, God, now we pray for the salvation of souls, for the strengthening of the saints in the mighty name of Jesus. May your word accomplish your purpose and not return to your void.